They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, it's a whole universe of sensing. I I repeat uh, this uh, for many, many issues now, Matthew, mm-hmm. that it is time to resurrect all the heroes at the end of Crisis so we can bring them back bigger and badder than ever. And this week we get the return of Universo. I mean, technically he's been around for a while, but... Yeah, and Universo has always been super dangerous. I mean, the the Stalag of Space, he literally took over all of the authority figures and threw all the superheroes Mm -hmm. in jail. So, yeah, I mean, it's a whole thing, but... I will say this. I, I never, I remember reading these books when they came out and I never trusted Vidgupta. Never trusted him. And this issue shows why yeah. we should never have trusted Vidgupta. Yeah. I mean, it's that been man, in plain sight the entire time. Uh, Universo, spoiler yeah. alert for the end of the issue that's 35 years old. Uh, Universo <laughs> has been uh, tricking everyone into thinking that he has been the assistant to the new president of the United Planets. And, yep. uh, yeah, and he's using his mind control powers to control people and get them to try to do whatever it is that Universo wants them to do, including going out and killing the, uh, the, the Legion of Superheroes, which when this issue started, I was like, man, I don't remember Lex Luthor's power suit looking so dopey. <laughs> See, I looked at that butt ugly suit and I feel like it has, it's like somebody trying to channel elements of Kirby design. And then just, yeah, it's like Lex Luthor's power suit mixed with green lantern handles. And then, like you said, some Kirby, some Kirby lines to, to give it that new, new God's world. But this guy is just a a new schlub that we haven't seen. And he doesn't last for very long because his power is drawing in all of the energies. (laughs) He's the restorer. Also interesting. And I don't know. I'm looking at the. The original issues, blah, blah, blah. Okay. A catchphrase everybody drank. Every time the name Restorer shows up, it looks like it's pasted in. Like they changed the name after the fact. It could be. Because I'm looking at this and it's like, oh, this well, guy, the so Restorer. It, it may be it's because. It's really obvious on like page 10 or 11 when Dawnstar says it. Well, it, it may be, I wonder, because um, his. What he's doing, so he wants to restore America to be great again, is what he's trying to do. <laughs> don't, and don't. he's, um, and so in order to do that, he's going to destroy all of the technology. He's throwing these big, giant shoes into the technological machine that is the, uh, the future. Mm-hmm. But he's destroying technology by using technology. Hey. So I'm not really right. sure. So it, he may have had a different name before and they were like, Oh no, I think uh, that name's kind of dopey. We should call him the right. restorer. And then at the same time, you're like, yeah, but he's, he's a, essentially a hypocrite. He's, he's really dopey okay. because he's using technology to destroy technology. So that doesn't make him anything. 
except for a vandal or a terrorist. Yeah, and that I think that is the point. And most importantly, his entire reign here doesn't need to make sense because he is a distraction. He is sent yeah. by Universo to sow chaos, just like a couple of issues ago when we had that thing of why, who, how did the science police like turn evil and attack their own science stations? And it's because someone is sowing chaos and that someone looks remarkably like Lando Calrissian. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, I'm sure today some people would have some issue with, uh, with a white guy doing blackface. Well, and that, that is an important thing too. I mean, in the strictest sense, Vidgupta is, uh, East Asian, Asian Indian, Mm -hmm. uh, so Southeast Asian. Uh, so he, he and both president Desai are from what in our time is India. I don't remember if it's still called India at the point that the Legion are in play, but it is interesting. I mean, he is, he is pretending to be a person of color, but I can't remember. Is Universo from Earth or is he? No, you can tell by his uh, Spockish, devilish ears that he is not from Earth. Right. Because I can't remember if they've ever said that Universo is not from Earth or. Hmm. Hmm. So anyway, we go to the new prison planet. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. that the new prison planet is called Labyrinth, which is interesting only because. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) In 1986, when this issue came out, that was also the same year that the movie came out. Yeah, it does make you wonder if it's one of those, the name was like in in the, the zeitgeist or floating. Well, I'm subject. sure, I mean, with the way that people back then would promote movies, that name mm-hmm. would have probably been out in, oh. you know, in the world, as, in trailers and everything out. Coming this fall from Henson Studios. Oh. It's a labyrinth. Like well, you've Marvel. never seen David Bowie juggle balls before. So I'm, <laughs> I'm imagining that that, that may have been one of those things uh, that yeah. was out there and it's like, Oh yeah, that's a really cool name to put people in this, in this uh, prison, which, you know, the prison itself, I, I'm a little, uh, it, it's, it's very, very interesting because instead of putting people in cells, like they did on the previous prison planet, they mm-hmm. are putting everyone in suspended animation. See, I'm not sure if that's permanent, though. I, I feel like and I, it doesn't necessarily read clearly either way. I was wondering if maybe they were temporarily in suspended animation because the Legion is still helping to assemble the prison. But there's also an indication, uh, something about Labyrinth, the planet, being completely abandoned and like riddled with weird mm-hmm. tunnels and mm-hmm. things because of mining. Yeah which makes me wonder if they're just taking all these criminals to the most remote planet they can, and they're just going to chuck them in and throw away the key, which also, I mean, Takrod Galtos was bad. Don't get me wrong, but this feels like, you know, even more regressive prison techniques in the future where it's just like human rights. What are those? Yeah. And, and again, I'm not sure that, you know, since we don't have uh, the power of foresight here, um, mm-hmm. these sleeper cells could be like the permanent thing. I mean, it could be, it could be a, uh, a way to just say, you know what, we're, we're locking everybody away just like that. And that way they can't cause any trouble. And that seems like a, yeah. Taking away free and, will. And you can, then you can use their body heat power <laughs> to power the station. Yeah. And then if any of them dies, you just feed the rats to the rats and feed the cats to the cats. And 
Then yeah, you have it's interesting because then that ultimately is going to be one of the targets of because it's generating such huge power that mm-hmm. that is where the Revolvo Reverso, whatever his name is, Reductor. Reductor. Reductor, yeah. I wonder if there was maybe a, a He-Man action figure name that may have caused conflict with that. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I never could get behind. Some of the He-Man puns were just too far for me. When they had a character whose name was like Webster. Yeah. And he was Webstor. I, mean, I don't know. Just stop it. There, there are some other interesting things in here, uh, like when Wildfire is trying to take on uh, Reverso, Restoro, whatever his name is, and he gets blinded by Sunboy. That's interesting, because he does say, yeah, Sunboy says, I blinded him, and Wildfire is like, yeah, and me too, but we've never really seen... How does Drake see? I mean, obviously he doesn't have eyes. Yeah. See, so how does he blind him if he's just a, a, a suit do. full of antimatter? We have seen, you know, on, in the past, though, something about wildfire that is important. There's actually something else about wildfire in this issue that's important. But wildfire is sometimes limited by what he believes his powers do. Mm. Like when he thought he was going to Daffy Duck it. And he blew up, and then he's like, oh, that's not how my powers work at all. I wonder if Sunboy is theoretically able to blind him because he, he still he feels is. like he's a man. Like, he yeah. expects that I'm a man, and a man can be blinded, and so it's interesting. Yeah. Also, I cannot believe from this issue that Wildfire was ever the leader of the Legion, because he's so he's such a hard headed just wild card here. He's like anti teamwork. He's mocking his his friends and coworkers. He's saying terrible things to them. He's hot headed and short tempered. I, I think you're I think you're thinking of shrinking violet. She is too, but I mean wildfire. <laughs> I feel like is getting dumber. Well, shrinking man. violet is just getting she's getting getting eighties edgy. Yeah, she's really getting. Uh, I guess the term would be catty or. Uh, just harsh with everyone. And it harsh, just, sure. it just is, it makes her not a nice person. In fact, they're even drawing her with the evil eyes and everything. And you're like, wow, that is, that's really an interesting way to go with shrinking Violet. Now, again, she's gone through some horrible trauma. And of course the key to yeah. taking care of trauma is therapy of which no member of the Legion <laughs> of superheroes has ever gone to therapy. I will, I will uh, let you know. Uh, well, one person I guess tried, but then they were like, Oh yeah, you just right. have to go run a few laps around the, the track and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, I, I feel like the interesting part, uh, from a vaguely misogynist perspective is this turn to being sharper edged and harsher and, you know, more angry and more acerbic is actually the beginning of a turn that eventually leads to, and we see the the first inklings of, a relationship between Violet and Lightning Lass. Mm-hmm. And so, on the one hand, it's interesting to see her go from being the sweet, quiet, literal shrinking Violet to being this angry girl who's constantly slashing at people, but then to have her turn mean and then somehow turn that into the reveal that she's actually, you know, bi or, you know, LGBTQIA. I feel like that's 
a very unpleasant 80s kind of stereotype that she had to be, you know, cruel and mean. But I kind of like the moment where she's really mean and she snaps at Lightning Lass. And Lightning Lass is like, you know, I'd, I'd like to answer you. And Lightning Lass actually seems to be responding to the response to as though this is her friend and someone she likes. And you see Shrinking Violet kind of wavering a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, was I just too mean? And it, it, obviously, I'm looking at this with hindsight, but it kind of feels like the beginning of the friendship that eventually, uh, spoilers uh, for a 20-year-old book, eventually will turn into their relationship. They're, I don't remember if they ever marry, but they do spend a lot of time in a committed relationship in volume four. So, yeah, it's you, you say 20 years, it's, it's more almost, it's almost closer to 40 years. Oh, hush. 1990 was 20 years ago. <laughs> I was there. No. We ran so far no. away. Um, I also noticed too, as they're making Shrinking Violet a little bit more um, not nice, they're taking mm-hmm. Shadow Lass and making her more like alien elf princess girl. Yeah. It, well, I mentioned Super that the, in the last issue, but they're really just getting into the elf tones. And again, that may just be the continued influence of Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy uh, novels and whatnot. I think there's some of that, but I also feel like there is, um, there's kind of like a, a cascading effect because we, she was created, I think by Swan back in the sixties. And as we travel along, she started getting sexier and sexier and bluer and weirder. And we got to a point where she was very, Kind of under Giffen, she was very, oh, here I am, and I'm regal, and I'm weird. And then Lytle gave her, really emphasized her eyes and her pointy ears. And we see this. This is, I think, LaRock and Malstead picking up from that Lytle thing and exaggerating it even further. So, yeah, she literally does look like somebody from ElfQuest yeah. uh, on one yeah. of the pages. Yeah, of well, I mean, ElfQuest is still very popular at this time, and... And very, certainly, very uh, certainly the anime influence, uh, we've talked about before. So we also finally, finally, finally find out, Matthew, you were like, oh, why, why did we not learn that Monel's serum was wearing off, uh, sooner and have it come from, you know, Monel himself. And I liked that it was, you know, Shadow Lash sharing a secret with a friend. And here we get it kind of spelled out directly that Monel is, uh, like, oh no, it's running out and I, I've not got much time left in this universe oh universe oh yeah i i still feel and i will maintain this and i know you're going to keep poking at me um because next issue but i feel like having it show up last issue swell this issue and then kind of blow up into a thing in issue 23 that feels to me like maybe they they could have they should have in my opinion uh, as a not professional writer of the Legion, they should have given us more long-term foreshadowing of this. But I get it, and I do like the Monel moments because you have this man who is literally more powerful than Superman, and they're taking him and making him. Basically, they're saying anyone can be sick, anyone can have this illness, anyone can have something happen to them. Which I like on the one hand, but also, you know, it's a superhero comic, so it's a little awkward seeing these sort of things being welded to the existing superhero tropes. 
Because this is kind of like, oh, does Monel? Monel has something like a year or so before Captain Marvel at Marvel Comics died of cancer, just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna retcon in that this happened and this happened and that issue like twenty years ago or fifteen years ago where he fought Nitro. Oh yeah, that uh, exposed him to carcinogens and now he's dying. So here I like it, but it is still a little awkward. To all of a sudden, have that. Yeah, this most powerful man in the universe. Yeah, totally. He's sick, you guys. He's so sick. <laughs> I I can't help but maybe also think about what's going on in the, in the healthcare world in the 1980s where, and again, I'm not saying that this is a direct allegory for it, but the AIDS epidemic where, and again, this might make a lot more sense in thinking of it this way, where somebody has, you know, they're maybe not feeling well. And then all of a sudden for people that, that had AIDS in the 1980s, it was like, Oh, they had a sniffle. And then like three weeks later, they were dead and and you find out later, it's like, oh, because they had, they had AIDS and they didn't know it. Um, I was just listening to some audio podcasts, uh, talking about the AIDS epidemic in the eighties. And it almost seems like, I I don't think that that's what they're doing here, but I think you could, again, in hindsight say, well, you know, there was no cure for AIDS. There's really at this point, no cure for uh, what Monel has, yeah. and uh, and it is very rapid onset in in that case. So uh, it's me kind of making a, a big reach, but I think if we were trying to put it into context of what was going on in the time period, and because we mm-hmm. can, because once the creators release something, it is now in the in the uh, hands right. of the of the readers. But we we might be able to kind of justify the way that this story comes on so so quickly, um, mm-hmm. as saying this is more than just a cold. This is more than just you know, a passing right. bug. This is a, a major epidemic. Now, granted, not everybody is catching it. And, and, and I, I know yeah, at no way will DC in the eighties ever try to address the AIDS epidemic. <laughs> um, well, and you know, it, I feel like you may have a point there and like, like the other thing, this might be something that's kind of in the zeitgeist. It's something mm-hmm. that, you know, the, this social and societal overtones, if there's a difference, and I believe there is between those words, do kind of help and shape these stories. And I feel like it's interesting. They come out and say it. There's a, 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 a caption in this issue that says, sometimes you'll wait weeks for service at the Medi oh, yeah. complex. That's Earth. if you go to the big so, hospital. Yeah. Right. But even in 86, they knew that for-profit healthcare was a sham. <laughs> it's a sham. Cause you see somebody like, here's your bills, sir. And, and we've like, been seeing Dr. Jimmel for what? Five, ten, yeah, for 15 a while. Years. Yeah, stupid legionnaires. Here's your bill. <laughs> yeah, um, we do find out that when they finally confront um, Revolto, that they are trying to tap <laughs> your doctor if Revolto is right for you. You know, the, the Telus tries to use his uh, telepathy to tap into his brain, and as he pushes mm-hmm. further with his telepathy. Uh, he's like, I'm almost ready to break through. And then because Universo is so evil, right? he, he pl- implants a thought or implants something into this guy's head to where he literally fries his own brain out to prevent yes. anybody from finding out what's going on, which I find he, very evil. And again, I, it feels like we are rebooting these villains to show you that these are the bad guys of the 80s and not the mm-hmm. ha kind of, yes, they're quote unquote bad guys of the 1950s and 60s. 
Well, I feel like you have shown your work there because that really, you know, now that you mentioned it, that is a step more evil for Universal. That's just like flat out murder as part of what's essentially misdirection. So, yeah, yeah. he he definitely is upping his game for the uh, dark era to come. I think they all are. And then, of course, more people are starting to catch on that something's going on with Sensor Girl and a couple of people, even Chameleon Boy is like, could this really be Supergirl? Well, and she, she senses yeah. somehow, yeah. sensors. She was only able to project her feelings out onto the I know. It's, it's almost like it would be really the sense, super. It's almost like the sensor girl Universo uh, themes are very much similar in that Universo mm. is hiding his true identity and sensor girl mm. is hiding her true identity. Yeah, it's interesting. She's kind of a princess here, too, because yeah. she's like, oh, I can feel a pee between 50 layers of, of mattresses and me. But wait, no, it's just micro lad. And by the way, I would like to point out something wonderful about this scene. She says, there's someone on the ship. There's someone that should not be here. And all the legionnaires follow her. And in the presence of a legionnaire who can shapeshift. And sneak in, and a legionnaire who can shrink, and legionnaires who can just jump into the to the cabinet and find what's going on. Timberwolf takes the lead and just rips the control panel off their ship. Just shrink, tears it off and throws it aside. Because Timberwolf is the superhero equivalent of a ball peen hammer. And but we don't find out who or what's inside though. Yeah, we do. Because Violet comes out and she's like, ah, it's micro lad. Where is that at? Because I don't see it in, in my copy. It goes right okay. from, it goes right from, I don't see anybody. Yeah, I see yeah. that. And then the very next page is we're now back on the power sphere the of Metropolis. Sphere? Yeah. Oh, well then you're missing an issue. You're missing a page rather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I don't see anybody is followed by a page where Violet shrinks down jumps into the cabinet, pulls out micro lad mm. and drags him out, knocks him out. You can hear him knock, hear her knocking him out. And then sensor girl is like, there you've got him. It's micro lad. And everybody laughs about how Violet got to once again, beat the bejesus out of the man who hurt her. So yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, I think. You read your page. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, there's a, That's there's a page missing from my stuff. I feel, I feel cheated. I feel ripped off. That's okay. I still, I still, I thought that was an odd transition. I was just like, okay, uh, you know, maybe she's going to project something in there and, and make people think that there's somebody in there. But, um, I was just like, okay, that's fine. Overall, I I enjoyed this issue. I thought it was good. Um, I don't know. I, I, they're doing weird things with shadow lass. That is a little weird. That is, I want to see where it goes because they did the same thing with dream girl for a while. And they did the same Mm -hmm. thing with, um, uh, nightshade lady. Night girl, night girl. And, um, and I, I'm curious if they're going to do that with her and also with Dawnstar, just wrapping up in the eighties mm-hmm. sexuality, um, kind of stuff. And so, yeah, right. it was, it was some good surprises. Uh, I liked it. Uh, like I said, though, I think we're, we're amping up all of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Including Billy D Williams. Billy D Williams is not a bad guy. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. 
You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Yes. Apparently, Matthew, uh, Monel's serum is wearing off. And he's going through so much no. pain. And and the Why only solution heard about this before I, now. I mean, it's it's right there. It's it comes out of nowhere. But uh, the only solution that Brainiac can think of while he's trying to figure out a solution is to put Monel back into the Phantom Zone. The zone. And that's oh. the last place that he wants to be because he lived, you know, over a thousand years in that hellhole, and there's nothing and nobody going to take him back in. Nope. Except and when they put him back is- in. Right. Well, and you know, the thing about the Legion of Superheroes is teamwork. It's all about teamwork. But this issue starts with a very important lesson, and it's something that Legion readers and we, you know, sometimes forget. Monel is orders of magnitude more powerful than everyone else on the team. Monel literally has a fit in the multi-lab and nearly tears the entire headquarters apart. And it comes to a point where literally he is, is willing to smash his way out of headquarters and no one can stop him. Timberwolf can't stop him. Dawnstar can barely keep up with him. Literally, the only thing that stops him is he's so weak that he bashes his own head on the polymer screen around the earth. If he had been this angry and a little more powerful... We could have literally seen Monel kill some of his teammates and not even realize it. It's yeah. really disturbing. Yeah. It's also it's also kind of funny that uh Timberwolf uh, is drinking from a Playboy mug in the in the first page. <laughs> it is it's funny, but it's also awful, but it's also so on brand. I mean that, I mean, that is uh you know, by the nineteen eighties, uh, you know, regardless what people think of 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 nude ladies in magazines. Playboy was right. its own iconic brand to where True. just the rabbit head itself was not, was generally accepted, especially in the 1980s when you had all of the other uh, pornographic magazines right. that are out there that went like way further beyond anything that Playboy would ever consider doing. So I think a lot of like people, a, a gentleman magazine. Yeah. Considered it rather tame uh, in comparison mm-hmm. to what was going on in the other stuff. Um, so they end up, getting again i'm wondering if i'm missing a page because mm-hmm. uh, i don't see them actually putting him i see dawn star uh dawn catching star grabs him yeah. grabs him and then we do a cutaway which we'll come back to in a moment and then the next right. thing that we see is monel in, the, in the phantom zone yes they do not show okay. us mon being zoned which okay i feel it- like that's good uh, it, it is, but it was a little distracting because I'm like, what are they doing here? And then when you get to the second page, you're like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. He's in the Phantom Zone. Right. And he's, he's going on. He's so yeah, and he's going on about how much he hates it. And there is one panel or one little, uh, there's a like a little montage flashback of here's when I was Superman's cousin and he put me into the Phantom Zone. And then there's a panel mm-hmm. with Zod and uh, the rest and Zod I can't help and Feora and Quex. No, not Quexel, Jax Earl. Yeah. And I'm wondering that has to be from uh Burns run, right? Because those that look and that style was what mm-hmm. Burn did when Superman went in and killed these guys in the uh, uh the micro universe, the pocket universe. 
the pocket. Okay, so here's the long answer. Uh, get, get ready. Yes, and also no. In that, no, this can't be referencing the burn run because this is uh, the end of '86 or mid '86. The burn run on Superman does not start oh, yeah, until right. January of '87, and then issue twenty or 21, I can't remember which, would be in 89 or almost 89. But the the classic designs of Zod with his, you know, his peaked Nazi hat yeah, yeah. and the classic design of Jaxer with his big collar and his bald head. And of course, that's Feora in the foreground with the little page boy haircut. Feora and Jaxer and, and Zod were some of the worst criminals in the zone, even pre-crisis. Mm-hmm. And this issue uh spoilers is considered the first appearance of the the uh pocket universe legion of superheroes number 23 is officially the first appearance of the pocket universe which is identified actually as earth 23 in the dc multiversal canon so that's really interesting because the minute i saw that i was like oh that's 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 when superman killed them in the pocket universe and then I also went through that same confusion of, but yeah, but I thought that, super, you know, well, I knew that uh, two of the things that that didn't change in the crisis. Well, Superman did get a, a reboot, but Batman kind of did not. And Batman's kind of never gets a never gets a reboot through all of these these crisis changes. <laughs> and so that's what threw me off because right. I was like, this just seems really weird unless the burn run, you know, like I thought maybe started sooner or if this was the actual designs from back in the 80s or, or back in the uh, 50s. But it, but I know that so it's, it's not. So, actually, yeah. yeah, so it's really weird to see that in there, and I, yeah, so it's just really weird to see that in there. Yeah. Burn very specifically went old school on those designs yeah. because, but that isn't Burn's drawing the, though. The, here is it? That's not because no, there's a lot of it is, very yeah. uh, different. It looks like different art styles in that in that one panel. Yeah, if that particular Zod. Well, first of all, the thing about General Zod is. General Zod actually dates way, way back, long before Terrence Stamp, long before this issue. But it also goes back to a point where I'm almost certain he was first drawn by uh, Al Plastino. Mm. And uh, he had that that weird peaked cap Mm -hmm. that you'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's clearly a villain because it's it's a Nazi reference and it's 1958 or something. But the thing that when you look at that particular issue is I feel... And this is just entirely me talking because I don't know. I feel like these particular three Phantom Zone villains may be a precursor. This may be a little bit of uh, corporate synergy or editorial mm. synergy that we know there's that reboot coming because they're talking about that reboot coming uh, yeah. in ways that are not obvious. And, in this and issue. what's the deal with the dark side bit? Because I don't get that reference. Uh, that is when dark side uh, basically with- took over. I took over Daxum. Oh, oh, okay, I okay. Because I saw all the naked people, and I see a man and a woman. I'm like, are they trying to say that Dark Side was around when Adam and Eve were doing their thing? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that is Mon, like looking back into the past and seeing Dark Side. Yeah, see, seeing Dark Side come and take over uh, Daxum and murder thousands of his people and nearly oh, okay. destroy the planet. Okay, all right. Uh, so, um. So then some time travel stuff is going to happen and I'm a little Mm -hmm. confused on this because the first two people that we meet at the time Institute are, um, uh, uh, 
Cosmic Boy. Cosmic Boy and Night Girl, right? And they're like, we're going on a trip. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yes, let us load your bags. Get into the time bubble. See ya, everybody. And then the very next page, the Legion bump in, burst in, and they're like, we need the time travel bubble. We need to travel into the past. And he's like, oh, no, we can't allow you to do that. (laughs) It, it, It kind of feels like Cosmic Boy's exit changed the time stream it's 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 almost like something happened in between those pages and it's it's like some sort of crisis involving i don't know it was it was a weird it yeah then they need to put in some kind of an explainer because i was just like no this makes zero sense so you know the only uh, other thing would be because they do it in a few pages is to say be sure to check out crisis on infinite earth number 37 um Mm-hmm. and explain it that way. They do it in a, in a few minutes, in a few pages, but they don't do it here, and I wish they would have. Um, yeah, and Cosmic Boy is actually going back in time to star in his own limited series, yeah. which we will be covering, but not for several episodes, uh, because the way uh, the DC Comics canon actually works. we got to get this arc <laughs> finished. Uh, so anyway, mon right. has left Earth uh, from his Phantom Zone positioning. And so they send Telus yep. and Phantom Girl into the Phantom Zone to go and track him down. And Telus just loves being there and he gets a little carried away. But eventually they find Monel and they bring him to uh bring him out of the of the Phantom Zone. Meanwhile, Element Lad, Dawnstar, and uh, Shadow Lass are traveling into the past and the time streams mm-hmm. are all messed up because there's some kind of a crisis going on. And oh, at one point they dip out of the timeline. And they cross mm-hmm. into this weird uh, area where Jonah Hex is all cyborged mm-hmm. out and riding a giant motorcycle. And it's like, well, this is yep. weird. And then at the end, it says, for another point of view, see Jonah Hex number 10 on sale now. And it's like, wow, <laughs> yep. what a weird ass tie-in moment. Crossover. I mean, uh, I, we have not seen any of that stuff before during Crisis in this book. Right. And the one thing that they choose to try to boost sales is Jonah Hex popping up and saying, well, that's a weird thing. Bloop. I guess I'm going to ride my car. I think, and I I believe here's what's happening. Um, At this point in the year 2024, you and I are used to the idea of a quote unquote great disaster in the future of the Justice League that keeps the legionnaires from knowing everything that happens. So the the ex- explanation has always been, oh well, records were lost, something happened, there was a, a cataclysm or a war or something. Yeah. This is a point where DC was actually showing us the aftermath of a nuclear war on New Earth, which yeah. means part of the actual continuity of the DC universe in the near future. Uh, into which Jonah Hex is accidentally dragged and does his whole Mad Hex Beyond Thunderdome bit for 18 issues in 1987. We also get a resurrection but, of the Atomic Knights. We do, actually. Yeah, uh, I thought so. Yeah, the Atomic Knight comes back. We get a couple of other things. But what what it really ties into is that um, Commandy, yeah. the Jack Kirby series from 74, which had always been its own thing, yeah, but sort of a, a nebulous future of the DC universe is now a canonical future yeah, of the and, DC universe. And, and then they will make that a lot more clear when 
Brian Bendis gets a hold of the Legion in about 45 years. So, <laughs> right. So they, well, they so, make it, they make it clear before that just, yeah. just to be, you know. uh, so they go back in time and they get Superboy and say, Superboy, uh, it's an emergency. Come with us now. And he's like, okay, no time to explain. And so they get into the, uh, into the lab where, uh, where they've got Monel and Brainiac five is like, Hey man, with my big, long blonde hair, I gotta be talking. Oh, maybe he should be talking more like Don Johnson. But anyway, he, uh, he uses kryptonite to yep. create a needle to inject a, uh, inject a needle into Superman's arm so he can do a blood transfusion so that they can right. transfuse Superman's blood, a, uh, mm-hmm. a Kryptonian with, uh, Monel's blood, a Daxamite. And that right. is going to cure Monel forever, ever, ever, ever. Irradiated by kryptonite radiation. And it's very important that you keep in mind that the reason Brainiac explains that the serum stopped working is that Monel's super, uh, it, super white cells, basically, his super immune system has rejected the kryptonite. But by using theoretically Superboy's cells, blah, 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 fish cakes, uh, science, 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 using this appliance, uh, Brainiac saves and or kills Monel. Uh, he's like, you know, this will negate the oh, lead no, he gets better. or he'll he, die. He gets well, better. I didn't and want to tell people that. No, no, by the end of the issue, he gets better. And then all eyes are back on Censor On Censor I like because this one Mom too. Is like, this was, this I was saw the good. strangest thing in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, this was, and and then we never saw anything like that in in any of his visions. It's like, oh, this he, all happened off panel. When he was, that's why he was off panel. Yeah, you remember anyway. that point? We were like, why is he off it panel? Was a, it was a, it was He's a pretty good issue. I I enjoyed it. It is, and this is an issue that I enjoy. And weirdly, I had forgotten this because I, in my head, the first thirty odd issues of Legion Volume Three are all Lytle, and I know that's not true because Lytle in this at this issue is actually credited as a guest penciler, and uh, according to Paul Levitz in the back matter, they're actually clearing up something or working on something that Lytle was part of creating. Now, whether that's the Sensor Girl mystery or whether it's Monel's uh, serum running out, I'm not sure, but Lytle is doing a fill-in here on the book that he you know launched what for two years ago, whenever it was. And I'm just like, oh, I love Steve Lytle. Where's my Steve Lytle? Bring back Steve Lytle. And back. they don't. They don't worry. Don't. He'll be back one day. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Matthew, what did we learn this week? We learned that it's absolutely adorable that Polar Boy breathes visible vapor like he's cold all the time. I think it's also interesting that we learned that uh, Universal is everywhere, man. Universal is everywhere. That's uh, with uh, with respect to the recently fallen Mojo Nixon right there. So, R.I.P. And, and most importantly, we learned that on Rimbor, it's either good cop, tiny cop, or bad cop, electric cop. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking us out this week. If you have questions, comments, etc., just hit us up on our socials. Uh, or you could drop us an email at podcast at majorspoilers.com. So until next time, I'm uh, Universo is everywhere, man. And I'm Television L. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter 
at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2024 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.